Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm your host, Cade Webb. And as always, I'm joined alongside Dustin Ragusa. And for what, I mean, the chips are on the table all the superlatives you can think about. This is what this season has been building towards a showdown in Bedlam for all the marbles in all intents and purposes. This is for one to knock Oklahoma out of the conference title race Two, Oklahoma state's already in. So the spot is there, but you can ruin their season and be one step closer to a big 12 title and potentially a college football playoff berth. And Dustin, if I would have told you, um six weeks ago when we started this podcast that we'd be talking about that what, what would you have said at the beginning of the season i would have been <laughs> shocked very shocked at you saying that i probably would have slapped you in the face yeah you probably would, would have never do that well it would have been okay i would have understood <laughs> especially after the missouri state performance the tulsa game the boise state game where you know we had forgotten about the forward pass the whole offense just looked out of sorts and you flash forward, uh, you know, two months later, and this team is, is on the precipice of the greatest season in school history. You got to go tackle a giant elephant. You got to, you got to do something that you've only done twice since 2011. Right. So you've got to do something that feels insurmountable. Right. But when you look at this game against Oklahoma, this isn't your older brother's Oklahoma. Uh, this isn't even your dad's Oklahoma. This team that Oklahoma State's going up against for, you know, probably the first time since what I would say 2013, where Oklahoma State clearly has the edge in this matchup. Um, it's, it's been a while since I've felt, okay, if the chips fall the way they're supposed to, a, the way if if you remove the logos from each helmet, if if this was Texas Tech, if this was Baylor, how would you feel about this game? Because it's just OU. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the teams match up favorably towards Oklahoma State, but it's that OU and it's that Crimson and Cream that gets people all riled up. Yeah, I completely agree. I I think, and just as a fan, normally this game is very scary to me because like you said, we haven't won it very many times in recent history, but I think this season Oklahoma state matches up really well. And I know the spread came out at three, I believe Oklahoma state's favorite, and I've seen it kind of move up. I've seen some three and a half, four and a half here and there. Jeez. So I, I think, I think the general majority agrees with that sentiment as well. And I, I think Oklahoma state, like you said, has a more of a favorable matchup. And I think that they, match up well just in general with this Oklahoma football team well and I mean Dustin we can just go ahead and get right into it I think we can talk superlatives all we want about this game but you know I, I don't think anybody wants to sit here and listen to us you know moan and whine about you know a 2 and 13 record or whatever the hell it is anymore I don't frankly I don't care it doesn't matter right now it doesn't matter for this team um and I, I frankly I wouldn't want to listen to that podcast so Dustin this game this 2021 version of Bedlam 
Uh, let's start with the offense. You know, last week or earlier in the week with, with the Texas Tech preview, we started with the defense. But let's start with the Oklahoma State offense and how they match up with Oklahoma's defense. You know, that OU defense has, has really been up and down all season. I mean, you know, giving up 48 to Texas, um, nearly losing to Kansas, getting, you know, ran for 295 yards against Baylor. Uh, and then, you know, some really solid performances like last week against Iowa State where, you know, they don't give up really very many big plays and they make Iowa State work for what they got. So what do you think is, is what goes in this game? How do you think Oklahoma State attacks them? What are you seeing in, in kind of your film look? Yeah, so Grinch likes to use that kind of three down lineman look with uh, Nick Benito, very talented player. He'll be wearing number 11 outside linebacker. He'll line up pretty much every single play of the three games I went back and rewatched for OU. I watched Baylor, Tech, and then Iowa State again recently. After watching Iowa State Live, I went back and watched again today. He'll line up to the boundary or the short side of the field pretty much pretty much every every play. So it's basically a four down lineman look. And they'll throw some blitzes at you. They'll what you mentioned in the earlier the podcast earlier in the week. They like to stunt. They like to move things around. What they do with their defensive line is a lot of times right before the snap, they'll shift the three down guys one way or the other to get a more favorable look or to throw the offensive line off. Because if the offensive line is in a man blocking scheme and you move right before the snap, you're going to throw them off a little bit. And you actually saw it work to their advantage in the Iowa state game. A couple of times they were able to get number 95, Isaiah Thomas, kind of a free shot right at Brock Purdy on a couple of occasions or mm. somebody else, depending on who it would be. So they like to move that over. They have their middle linebacker. They'll play him as the overhang at times. They like to, they'll go with a tight front from their defensive line, which we've seen with Iowa state where kind of the three defensive linemen are a little bit stacked more in towards the interior of the, of the defensive line, kind of trying to clog up the middle. Uh, they'll change up their coverage a lot, but we've seen a lot of man coverage from Oklahoma, from Oklahoma this season. They'll do a lot of single high, a lot of man. And other than that, they'll do some cover three, some cover two. They'll even throw in some cover two man where you still have the two deep safeties. So that's kind of what they like to do. And their defensive line is solid. Benito, Perkins, Thomas, Redmond. Renfrey, Redmond. These guys are good. These guys Justin, are before really, we, really good. Before we move anywhere else, I, I want to point something out. You you made a fantastic point there, and it was something I had written down. Sorry, I meant Redmond, not Perkins. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I guess Ronnie Perkins is in the NFL now, isn't he? Um, yeah. But – where I thought Iowa State had more success, and this makes a lot of sense now that you just broke it down that way, was in the zone running game with Brees Hall being, you know, kind of a plodding running back who is extremely patient against a, a defensive line that is, again, I've, I've said this multiple times this, this year on this podcast, that that Oklahoma defense is very aggressive. And at times it can seem like it's not all that calculated. It is. Um, but they call it speed D for a reason, which I absolutely hate, but that's what they call it. Um, and at times that makes perfect sense that a man blocking scheme with a late shift would cause some issues. Whereas a zone blocking scheme didn't seem like it caused as many issues for Iowa state's running game. It, it was something that I noticed live and something that the film backed up, you know, Iowa state didn't run the ball with much effectiveness uh, consistently at all. But when they did, it seemed like the zone running game was what helped. Yeah. And 
we talked about it on the earlier podcast. Baylor was able to rush for almost 300 yards, and they run a very similar style to Oklahoma State with that wide zone, outside zone running game. And and I know Iowa State wasn't really able to run the ball super effectively, but if you take out all the negative yardage, like the negative 47 rushing yards from Brock Purdy that are related to sacks and things of that nature – You've got 97 yards on 21 attempts, 4.6 yards per carry. So not Gundy would terrible. Take that. Yeah, Brees Hall wasn't able to have – he only had 3.1 himself, but they broke off some other big runs with Xavier Hutchinson, uh, with Nevis. So they were able to do some things. And really that, that game in general, just to kind of talk about that, was pretty disgusting, <laughs> that Iowa State-Oklahoma game. I mean, Brock Purdy got knocked out. You had to have uh, Hunter Deckers come in. He comes in and throws one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. He then really did. Purdy comes back in, decide finally decides to just feed Charlie Kohler, and OU had no answer for that. So it, it was a weird game. Um, Caleb Williams, OU's quarterback in that game, eight for 18 for 87 yards, a touchdown and an interception, but he had a nice day on the ground. Kendy Brooks had a nice day on the ground. So just kind of a weird game. I know we were talking about the OU defense, but just since you brought that up, no, I, just I love their, it. Their, that game in general. But, yeah, that's kind of a general high-level overview of the OU defense. And last season, Oklahoma State was not able to do much against them. We saw a lot of heavy 12 personnel with the two Cowboy backs out there. We even saw some 13 personnel. They really tried to establish the zone running game, and OU's defensive line was not letting that happen. And it just really kind of made the Oklahoma State offense stagnant last season. And I think they'll fare a little bit better in it this year. I hope you're right. I think they're going to try to do the same thing, don't you? Yes, I completely agree. I think they're going to try to establish the zone running game. We may see some different formations, some different wrinkles. You've kind of seen the same thing the past two weeks. We've talked about the Blaine Green at Cowboy back. We've talked about the Logan Carter I think they've kind of tried to keep it pretty similar over the past two games. And you might see some new stuff, some new formations, maybe some more spreading it out five wide, four wide. Maybe if Braden Casty's able to come back, which I don't think is likely, but even if he's not, maybe some more Silas Barr, the backup mm-hmm. cowboy back in there for some 12 port personnel and just kind of trying to smash it down OU's throat with that zone running game. It's going to be interesting because I like the way OSU's offensive line. Again, we've talked we talked about this earlier in the week with Sills and Godlevsky. Are they back? And again, I meant to I meant to tell you this. We are recording this on Sunday night at 9:52 p.m. I'm looking at my clock right now. So obviously, when this podcast comes out later in the week, there could be things that happen. And and you know, if if somebody falls off a bus or somebody breaks a leg, we're not gonna know that. Right now, what we're looking at is the snapshot in time on Sunday evening at nine o'clock. Um, and what I see is if Josh Sills and Danny Godlevsky, we you know, we don't believe that Godlevsky's gonna be back. Neither of us do, right, Dustin? Uh, yeah. reason to believe that that's a, a little bit more serious injury that could take some time to heal. But I expect Josh Sills to play. The thing that I that kind of gets a twinkle in my eye, I don't know how well they're going to be able to run the ball with consistency. I think they're going to be able to break, break off several chunk plays. I think Spencer Sanders with his legs continues to be a difference maker. Um, I am very interested to see how this Oklahoma State offensive line handles what is a very active 
um, very aggressive defensive line and linebacker core in Oklahoma uh, with, with Benito, Perrion Winfrey, Redmond, um, Brian Osamoah. They're aggressive. And uh, we saw earlier in the week a similar defense, defensive line in Texas Tech who does a lot of stunting, a lot of um, moving around to try to confuse offensive linemen. Oklahoma State looked really solid for the most part in a situation like that. Obviously, you're taking a step up in talent uh, with, with this OU defensive line, but we saw a little bit of a glimpse of what could be this week. And if, I'll tell you right now, where Iowa State lost that game, one, turnovers absolutely killed them. And they, God, they had some backbreakers. They could not stop that stunt on the defensive line for Oklahoma. They were getting, and it was almost every time it worked, it was straight up the middle, untouched at Brock Purdy. So there was some serious miscommunications on that offensive line that if Oklahoma State is able to shore up and do even a little bit better at a home crowd uh, with a defense like you got in Oklahoma State, like the margin for Oklahoma gets real tight. So I will be very interested to see how that shakes out. It, and that's the thing. So OU, I know P- Pro Football Focus has it, I think, 11 of Purdy's dropbacks where they blitzed. When I went back and watched that game, they did bring some extra pressure. They did bring five or more at times. But a lot of it, like you said, was either Iowa State not being able to pick up the stunt or Benito or one of these guys off the edge just going right by the Iowa State tackles, just flying right by them and getting to Purdy. They were getting a lot of pressure with just four. Yep. I know we were talking uh, – off air to one of our buddies in uh in one of our group messages and he's asking how that was done really it was just OU's defensive line being better than Iowa State's offensive line in that game not sometimes it was just a straight up speed rush off the edge and they were just getting to Purdy and they were punishing that dude multiple times in yeah. that game I was surprised he came back in it's a tough kid to come back in, in that game because that was just bruising but like, but like you mentioned They've got, they've got guys like Winfrey, Osmo, Benito. These guys play a lot of snaps. A lot of snaps. They play a lot of snaps. Pretty much OU's ones. They don't ro- – it's not, it's not as similar to Oklahoma State where they rotate in a ton of guys on the defensive line over and over, and you see six, seven guys getting, you know, an equal share of snaps. They have those main four or five that they roll out there and I think what Oklahoma State's plan is going to be is to continue running that zone running game like we saw with Baylor, like we've seen some other teams do to you, like you talked about Iowa State was able to do at times with Brees Hall. I think they're just going to bash them over and over and over again with split zone, with outside zone, maybe some duo mixed in there, and try to wear that OU defense down. So you may see it take a little while, but I think the running lanes are going to open up if OU tries to overcompensate for the cutback, what like we saw Tech do in the middle of the game in the second and third quarter, Oklahoma State will take it to the perimeter with outside zone. They're, Jalen Warren and Dominic Richardson are so good with their vision. They're going to be able to find the holes. And if OU is going to have to pick their poison, whether it be the cutback or whether to go out to the perimeter, I don't know if they're going to be able to take both of those lanes away for the entire game. And again, I kind of hinted at this earlier and just hearing you talk about it seems like a game where, you know, we haven't seen a ton of zone read from Spencer Sanders this year. I don't know if they're holding on to that or if that's just not a, a focal point of the offense. It's always a threat, 
that the defense has to account for and shoot it worked the one time they ran it this week and they, they run it a lot. It just tends to end up in the running back's hand. But when Spencer is able to keep it, I mean, he ran it to perfection and scored a touchdown. And so that seems like, and again, it gets an over aggressive Oklahoma defense, like bookmark a play like that to potentially get you some, some yardage or something they go to in the red zone to potentially try to uh, catch OU sleeping or, or being over aggressive going one way. Um, I, if Oklahoma state is able to run the ball, I, I would put the number at four. They ran for 3.9 yards of carry against Texas tech. If they're able to run for four yards of carry against Oklahoma, I feel really good, really good about what, what their chances are in this game. Yeah, and I definitely think it's going to be another game where Sanders needs that around 50 yards rushing like we've seen from him recently. He's been pretty much hitting close to that marker, a little above, a little below for about the past five games. I think we'll see that zone bluff, which I think kind of you were alluding to there where the cowboy back comes across, fakes that trap, split zone trap block, comes up to the second level. OU's going to have to account for Sanders in the rushing game. He's just been too effective this year. I think he'll get some yard scrambling. We've seen him do pretty well. I think in the passing game, we're going to see some concepts that maybe we haven't seen a ton of. Obviously, like I said earlier this week, we got a lot of man coverage single high against Texas Tech. So you were able to see some of these things. I think we see mesh come back where the receivers kind of create that rub coming across on double crossers over the middle. I think if OU, and I would expect them to do this, I don't know I can't see why they wouldn't. Every team's pretty much done it so far, and it, it's worked okay for some teams. It hasn't worked for some, but Tay Martin's going to beat you if you one-on-one -on -one cover him. They're probably going to shade a safety over. So if Brennan Presley's back to full strength, I would expect him to have a big game. I would expect to see some passes to the Green Twins and to Bray. And then once early on in the game, and then once you're able to kind of get that safety maybe away from Tay – or if you're able to get that four yards of carry, like you mentioned, and make them allocate more defenders into the box, then I think you see things open up for Tay Martin later in the game and well, maybe even a deep shot or two down the field in the third quarter. We've paid a lot of attention to that OU defensive line. The OU secondary still remains susceptible. They were They showed signs of improvement last year. And a pretty clear drop off this year. They're not defending the, the pass deep crossing routes nearly as well as what I would have expected, which if it comes down to if Spencer has time to throw the ball, I think the Oklahoma State wide receivers match up well with Oklahoma's secondary, just athlete for athlete. It feels like a big, potentially big Brennan Presley game. It also feels like a potentially big Blaine Green game. I was watching film. Um, for that Iowa State OU game where they really started to, to give uh, Oklahoma trouble late in that game was those deep crossers with Kolar and Chase Allen. And they would even leak Chase Allen out on a, on a little bit of a delayed, um, you know, tight end slip. And they just hammered OU with that late in that game. I would expect to see something like that. And Dustin, fantastic call out on Mesh. I had, I had that written down because Iowa State ran it quite a bit with with some success and we haven't seen a ton of that from Oklahoma State but I guarantee you the way that OU likes to do things on defense I guarantee you you see mesh so fantastic call out on your end yeah I think something else we we see a lot we saw it earlier in the season I think they come back to it a little bit where either Presley or if it's John Paul Richardson they go in motion before the snap to try to it's more of a 
try to figure out what the defense is running. And then if they're in man and the defensive back follows Presley or John Paul Richardson across the formation when he motions, he'll run that out route and they have inside leverage so they can throw it there. Or if they're in zone, they'll look to kind of that deeper route with either Tay or Bray who or whoever's on the outside over there. So I, I would expect to see more pre-stat motion than we saw against Texas Tech. I think they just kind of knew Tech was probably going to play man, so not th- – there was still some orbit motion. We even saw some orbit motion with uh, with Tay Martin, which we haven't really seen a lot this yeah, season. Yeah, that was, was, that was cool. unique. So I, I, do think we, I do think we see a little bit more motion in this game, um, not just to tell on the defense, but to kind of get OU's defense guessing. Like you said, they've got some inexperience in some positions. But, yeah, they're, they've got some guys, though, on their defensive backfield that I like. I know Pat Fields – they're uh well, strong safety yeah, number veteran 10. veteran he's he's played pretty well recently over the past few games i know he had a pretty solid game against iowa state i want to say he played really well against tech he'll come up and make plays in the running game yeah i mean he he's definitely the guy in that secondary that i look at at least the most consistent i mean delarian turner yells a stud more in the run game seems like he he can be pretty susceptible to be in the wrong spot in the passing game, but is a is a bruiser. And again, I I think Oklahoma, you know, talent they're they're not lacking in talent. What they lack is in a, what appears to be an ability to play as a cohesive unit on that back end. Like you'll see guys running open or missing assignments in the run game. It's like it's just these little things that if they clean it up, they they're gonna figure it out. But yeah, for for now they're not. Yeah, they're um, number 12. Lawrence, he had a yep. pretty good game against Iowa State as well. Yep. Yeah. But, yeah, to your point, I, I feel like one of the reasons they play man sometimes is because I feel like in zone they have – they get some busts. Man's a little that's bit a, easier. I think that's play, a great so. a great point. It, it's, it definitely leads to less errors. Um, you're not going to let somebody just run right past you. So it's a great point. And if they do go zone, what did we just say earlier in the week, Dustin? Spencer Sanders – Likes zone. So we'll I, see. I would expect what I think they're going to come out and OU is going to continue to play their man, continue to throw in some zone coverage. And I think they're going to try to bring some pressure on Sanders early and try to get him rattled. So yeah. we'll see what happens. I think even, even if Godlevsky is out, Sills is back. If Sills is back, I think that'll be great for pass pro. But even if both those guys are out, I think Sanders has built up enough confidence. I think, the rest of the offensive line can pass protect well enough to where I don't think he'll let it rattle him. And I think he'll still be able to play well, but I think that's going to be OU's game plan. I love it, Dustin. Any, any other final thoughts on the offense before we move on? I don't think so. All right, well, let's head to the defense, but before we do that, let's hear from a word from our sponsor. If you're a listener of this podcast, you know by now that we've got a new sponsor on the program, Homefield Apparel. Man, I love everything that they're doing. Uh, and right now, I, I love this even more. Right now, from Black Friday through Cyber Monday, November 26th through November 29th, everything in the store is 20% off. That's right, 20% off. Again, if you're a loyal listener to this show, you know our promo code feels 12 will get you 15% off. Well, for this week, you can throw that in the garbage. Maybe throw it in like some sort of folder, though. Don't actually throw it away because we're going to need you to use that going forward. But for right now, right now, you can get 20% off uh, from Black Friday through Cyber Monday, and you don't need any promo code. So a great offer here. 
Um, and as with any sale on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you need to get there early. All of this stuff is subject to sell out, of course. Um, I think by now we know how quickly some of these things can go uh, during this time of the year as everybody's holiday shopping. But speaking of holiday shopping, I mean, if you know a sports fan or you are a sports fan, I would just go to homefieldapparel.com today and check out everything that they've got. I mean, I'm looking at the website right now, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors hoodie, uh, Tulane Mean Green Wave. I mean, just some really cool stuff for any sports fan in your life. Um, And if my wife's listening, which I don't know if she does, I don't know if she's ever listened to this podcast, but if she is, baby, it's 20% off right now. And I've had my eye on this Pistol Pete sweater for a while. So it's a perfect gift for anybody in your life. Uh, especially the sports fan. Uh, They've also got stickers if you want to decorate the back of your laptop or your water bottle or anything like that, uh, you can do so. But you got to go to homefieldapparel.com on Black Friday through Cyber Monday and get your shopping going and they'll get you taken care of. Okay, we started with the offense. Moving on to really the the bell cow, uh, the unit of this team that really carries the water and has probably led them to this moment in the season, this Oklahoma State defense coming off uh, somehow uh, another record-setting performance against Texas Tech, a shutout, first since 1995 in conference against Oklahoma. Um, They gave up a total of 108 yards. I mean, an absolutely dominating performance. And Dustin, we don't need to rehash all that like we did earlier in the week. What does that do for you going into this game where OU has shown a little bit of feast or famine on the offensive side of the ball this year? Yeah, it, it's still – the way Oklahoma State's defense has played is, makes me very confident going into this game, but it's still Lincoln Riley. Yep. It's still a guy that's so creative, that has done so much on the offensive side of the ball at OU that people steal his plays. You see him all over the place. We've seen Oklahoma State take plays from the Lincoln Riley offense – and put them into their scheme. It's just, it's a lot for any defense to handle. You know, they'll go, they'll go 11 personnel, 12, they'll go 20, they'll go 13. They they do so many different things. They'll go 21 with two backs out there. They love their, they love their H back position, that tight end H back. Oh yeah. They've got Jeremiah Hall, Stonger. um, Can't think of the other guy's name off the top of my head, but they love, they love to use those guys. They love to throw them out there. They'll even put Hall back there what looks like a split backfield look with two running backs, have him kind of block split zone from there. They do love their split zone. They love their counters. That's what Lincoln Riley is known for that guard tackle counter, the GH counter with the H back coming through. They'll run power. They'll run draw. They'll mix in a lot of QB run game with Caleb Williams. Now he's one of the most talented running quarterbacks at his age I've ever seen. He just knows how to do it. He's basically a running back out there. Um, and he could throw the ball as well, but he's what I mean by that is he's so talented. He could be a running back and be just as good. He's got great vision. He's hard to bring down. He's a big dude. And that they're going to try, they're going to try all their stuff. You watch a OU game, they'll run split zone. They'll run GT counter the next play. They'll run GH counter. They'll run draw. They'll run power. And then they'll mix it all up and do it again. They it's, completely opposite of what Oklahoma state does in the running game where they're primarily running zone, some formation of zone Riley's going to mix in all different type of things. They like to do their play. They like play action passing game. What I've noticed they've done a lot is they'll actually pull the guard, even when it's just 
a for sh- the rest of the offensive line is just pass blocking and all Williams is doing is faking the handoff. They'll pull that guard over to even show a little bit more play action, even though it's not an RPO, he'll kind of, then he'll go into a pass block on the other side of the offensive line and the rest of the line will shift over. I've seen Oklahoma state do it a few times, but OU really likes to do it. They love their, it's a drag route screen. So basically what will happen is the receiver will come across. We've also seen them do it with the running back. He'll run across the line of scrimmage and stay either at the line or a little bit behind it so that the receivers and the H back tight end to that side can actually block without it being illegal an illegal pick or anything like that. And I hate that play. That. They, they run it a lot and they'll run many different formations of it. They burned OSU on it in the past. It's something they probably started doing a couple of years ago, but they love that. They, they love to go to Marvin Mims. They love to go to Hazelwood. They have some really talented receivers, Mario Williams. All these dudes are good at wide receiver. Williams has a ton of options to go to in both the running game and the passing game. Well, I, of everything you just said, the takeaway that I have, you know, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine who's a diehard OU fan, and he was asking, you know, because he knows how much I hate that little uh, play that it's it looks like mesh. It's really it really is mesh, but the wide receiver blocks and it's it's behind the line of scrimmage. So if it's beyond the line of scrimmage, it's very clearly pass interference, but it's legal. They haven't ran that as much because they're behind the chains consistently they love to run that in short yardage if they get to second and two second and three third and three fourth and three you can almost guarantee at some point in the game you're going to see that in a short yardage situation and then it's their bread and butter and if they can't use that play things get a little bit harder for them. So I will be very interested to see how Oklahoma State's able to handle first down. Um, You know, Oklahoma not running the ball as effectively as they have in the past. You did just mention, I mean, all the weapons that they've got, that offensive line, not the same, you know, group of five pro bowlers in the NFL that it has. I mean, they've just been bringing pro after pro after pro through there. And I think they've got some pros on the offensive line right now, but they're young. Uh, and so they don't look like a cohesive unit quite yet. And the run game has suffered. I mean, Dustin, if I would it surprise you if I told you that Oklahoma State is the leading rushing team heading into this game? It only because it only doesn't surprise me because I've watched so much OU this season, just preparing for this game. But yes, but that's so abnormal. That's so abnormal for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I mean, Oklahoma State typically throwing it all over the yard. Oklahoma pounding you with that GT counter, and right now Oklahoma State is the one that's running for the most yards a game, leaning on the run more consistently. So it's just kind of a. a total role reversal even when you start looking at the defense so um Dustin the only reason I I say any of that is because I think you're spot on no shortage of talent we mentioned it on the on the offensive side of the ball for OU or on the defensive side of the ball for OU no no changes here I mean they've got dudes all over the place we didn't even talk about Jaden Hazelwood Theo Weiss I mean they've got guys um it's just can you keep what you're looking at in front of you and not get distracted by all of the moving parts. You know, we, I, I think back to that first series, the first two series against TCU. What makes me nervous about this game is Lincoln Riley's ability to scheme guys into space. Um, TCU found some success early on in that game. I'm not so certain that Lincoln Riley doesn't do that with more consistency in this game. I think Oklahoma State's defense is susceptible to big chunk plays down the middle of the field 
and Oklahoma runs those well. So I will be interested to see what they do and how often. I think if they if they have a lateral game plan, you know, going sideline to sideline, it's not going to work well for them. If they're running downhill and and throwing pop passes down the middle of the field, I think they're going to have some success. Um, but I just it's it's going to be a give and take. And as you said, a pick your poison. I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, and we saw we saw it happen in the Baylor game. To your point about them not being able to establish the run. I think Riley even said after the game that he kind of went away from the run too early because they just weren't able to get anything going, but he never really let it develop. And then you see Williams trying to make plays through the air. He gets two interceptions that game. So if you're able to shut down Kennedy Brooks, if you're able to shut down Eric Gray, the two Oklahoma State running or two Oklahoma running backs, then you can cause some problems for their offense if they have to rely on Caleb Williams to throw it around the yard. So Brooks is talented. Gray's really talented, the Tennessee transfer. They also like to throw it to him a lot when he comes in, I've noticed. Um, they'll throw it to him more than they hand it off to him. But if you're able to shut down the OU running game, you can really, really cause some problems for him. But last season, I think the issue that Oklahoma State had, you know, their defense had been playing really well all season, and then OU kind of came in and torched them. They kind of, I think, didn't do enough of the disguises mixing things up that we've seen Knowles do recently. They played a lot of man coverage. They had a lot of too high safety looks. And as the game went on and OU kind of started doing the same thing over and over, we saw them play a little bit better. But they just kind of gashed them. And Riley was able to scheme things open. There was a lot of motion a lot of motion to get Oklahoma state to tell what coverage they were in, which was a lot of times, man, which is something I just talked about Oklahoma state. I think they'll do to OU as well, but Riley just kind of had their number last season. I think he knew they were going to come out and try to play man, try to establish their will on defense and they just weren't able to. So I think what you see in this game is what we've talked about from Knowles all season he's going to come out he's going to disguise things they're going to come out in zone they're going to go three high safeties they're going to come out with one eye safety they're going to go one down lineman two down lineman three down lineman they're going to have oliver and martin both out there at the same time i think you're going to see a lot of multiplicity from this Knowles defense to kind of do what lincoln riley tries to do to his opponents throw so many different things at them, build off of things you see seen earlier in the game. I think it's going to be a chess match between these two. And I think Knowles, with the experience and the talent he has on this defense this year, I think he's got a little bit more to work with. Well, I, I, I love everything you said there. Not because I think it bodes well for Oklahoma State, but because I think you're spot on. Caleb Williams, for all of his numerous talents, I mean, the dude is, I mean, as good a true freshman quarterback at times as I've ever seen. And at times he looks like a straight up freshman. Um, and if you get, you could get two different Caleb Williams in the same game this week. And, and I think Iowa state saw a little bit of that. Here's just Dustin for you. And for our listeners, Caleb Williams, last two stat lines uh, against Baylor, obviously a loss in that game. Uh, eight of 18, I'm sorry, nine of 18, 142 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions was sacked three times against Iowa state eight passes for 18 yards, or I'm sorry, eight of 18 for 87 yards, a touchdown and an interception and was sacked four times against two of the top defenses gave up at least three sacks. Iowa state got to him four times and they're not efficient in the passing game. And it's because 
Iowa State is the one that I zoom in on heavily. He did not see the field well in that game. He had guys open at times, and there are going to be guys open on Saturday. It's just can he stand in there and wait for them and actually see them? Because, again, Oklahoma State, as you said, is probably even going to make things even more confusing on the back end than an Iowa State does. I think they're far more aggressive. And, shoot, if you're looking at those sack numbers, you're looking at that pass protection number, Caleb Williams, he'll stand back there and pat the ball, man. Sometimes there are times where he just kind of gets a little bit frozen and forgets that he can run. Um, and so if you can keep him in the pocket, I think you can really, really cause OU some issues. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. So he had one interception through his first 98 attempts. But then after seeing defensives like Iowa State and Baylor, he's had three over his last 37, which were all against Iowa State and Baylor, two top tier defenses in the Big 12. It, you mentioned it, his, his one flaw right now, and it's just because he's young, yep. he, his, is his inability to read defenses and progress through his routes. He really loves to keep – you saw it in that Iowa State interception, staring that guy down the entire time, doesn't even see the underneath defender and just throws it right there. It's, it almost kind of reminds me – I think I saw – maybe it was Ian Boyd point this out or somebody in an article, but kind of reminds me of, of older – hurts back in the day you know obviously he love just crushed, the comp love crushed the comp. my crushed my saints today but the the way he just kind of focuses in he doesn't want to go through his progressions but honestly with hurts he he did a little bit better job of tucking and running you talked about williams kind of sitting back there and patting the ball and then he'll either have to throw it away or scramble but by this time he's scrambling for no gain a loss of one or one yard Iowa State didn't blitz him at all. They were rushing three, maybe four. OU's offensive line was giving him enough time, but Williams wasn't making the decision to scramble. He's looking, he's trying to make that big-time throw down the field, which we've seen from who? A guy we're familiar with, Spencer Sanders, do in the past. So, but, but to his credit, when Caleb Williams gets out of the pocket and throws the ball, he normally throws it. Um, it's a normally a missile and it's normally on target. It Just is. If the coverage is good on the back end, he sometimes doesn't know what to do. And by the time he decides, like I said, it's either a throwaway, he's running out of bounds at the line of scrimmage, or he's taking a sack. So knowing that the OU offensive line is a little bit susceptible this year, and is, as I've just mentioned, it's given up seven sacks in the last two games. Would If, it, if you were Jim Knowles, do you try to light Caleb Williams up consistently by bringing an extra defender and extra two defenders and, and go a little bit aggressive on the back end with man, have an extra guy back there. Or would you copycat what Iowa state did knowing that they were able to get pressure at times with three or four? What would, what would you do? I think Knowles is going to mix it up. Like we've seen him do to these two younger quarterbacks at uh, TCU and Texas tech. But I think you do see some pressure early. I think he tries to rattle him early. If it doesn't work, and maybe maybe the scripted, maybe you let Lincoln Riley go through his scripted plays and then you bring it. Maybe you bring it during them. But I think first and second quarter, you're going to see some pressure. If it doesn't end up working, then I think you go back to, you know, he'll have seven at the line of scrimmage, four of them drop into zone, and you drop eight. You only rush three. I think he's going to, I think he's going to show more 
more disguised looks, more things to confuse Williams than Iowa State did. They really just stayed in their three, their three down line stack with their three deep safeties and pretty much dropped into their zone, which they do so well. That's their bread and butter. Noel's bread and butter is mixing things up. So if I was Noel's, I would just kind of do a really similar game plan to what we've seen over the past two. Williams is obviously much more talented than these two guys we face, but he's still a young QB that's really only seen two tough defenses so far in his college career. And he's a seed the toughest. Man, I just I I look at this game and I'm like, do I do I trust? Like, and again, you you've nailed it. This is still OU. This is still Lincoln Riley. They've they've still got the pieces. They've still got the pieces to win the Big 12 and, and beat anybody, but they haven't put it together for one consistent game this year against a quality opponent. And so I'm to the point where it's like, do I honestly believe after everything that we've seen with, you know, I mean, you go back to Donovan Smith, you go back to Chandler Morris, Jared Daigie, Casey Thompson, uh, this defense has chewed up and spit out some good proven quarterbacks. Um, Does Caleb Williams break that mold in your mind? Because to me, it's like, I haven't seen enough consistency from him and enough decisiveness with the ball to be like, okay, he, he makes me nervous more with his legs than he does as a passer. And I think he may break off one or two, but beyond that, he's going to have to consistently be able to get the ball in there. And it's why I said last week, I, I think Rattler, you may see him at some point in this game. My, my thing here is, Caleb Williams is an extremely talented runner. I think Kennedy Brooks is a really good back. I think Gray's a good back. I think they're going to gain some yards against Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State has been so good. Elite. So many really, really, really talented rushing teams that they've basically shut down. They've shut down pretty much every elite running back that's gone up against them. They didn't get, they didn't have to face Zach Evans, but they faced the B. John Roberts. They faced, they faced the Brees Halls. They faced some really, really talented running backs. So I don't think OU can win the game by relying on their running game. And to your point, I don't know. I haven't seen enough from Caleb Williams in the passing game to think he can beat Oklahoma State there like Brock Purdy did. Because Brock Purdy, we've seen him. He has his faults. I mean, he still threw 31, Boy. 30 completions for 281 yards against OU. But, but he, he was back a, foot Brock showed up. <laughs> yeah, he, but he – He's a very experienced. He knows how to run the RPOs. They had a good game plan for Oklahoma State. And he he will take what the defense gives him. He'll throw it away. I don't know if Caleb Williams will do. I don't know if he's mature enough to come against this Oklahoma State Jim Knowles defense and do that. He may. He's extremely talented, five-star guy. Right, right. I think I think he's an amazing player. I I really actually enjoy watching him play, and I don't say that about any OU players, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I don't know if OU's offense has enough in this game, but there's always, there's always that, but when you've got Lincoln Riley calling the plays. Well, to me, it's like, again, I I think it all goes back. If Oklahoma state can stop the OU run, you can force them into what they they don't hundred percent. That's exactly what I was going. That's where I was going. OU you've seen, a team blow up OU's running game. Uh, OU ran for under 100 yards against Baylor on 28 carries. I think it was 98 yards on 28 carries in Waco. It's under three yards of carries. So in the past, the, stopping the OU run has been like, well, 
man, if we can, if we can, you know, catch lightning in a bottle and stop the OU run, we may have a chance. No, like they're running up against what has been an immovable force in the Oklahoma state defensive line. This OU running game has not shown consistency and it's been stopped in the past. If you take out uh, Caleb Williams, 75 yard run last week, I mean, OU ran for under, I mean, again, they ran for 209 on 34 rushing attempts, but you take out that one broken play, which it was, it was a broken play that just went for 75 yards because he's a talented guy. As you said, I mean, you're looking at under 150 rushing yards on 34 carries. I mean, they're, they're still not consistently running the ball. And this is going to be the best defensive line by far that they've seen. So again, <laughs> if I'm a betting man and I'm, and I'm removing and we're just going like straight team A, team B right here and Oklahoma State's team A and OU's team B, that matchup heavily favors team A in this scenario without any of the bedlam superlatives. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the one worry for me and we talked about it in the podcast earlier this week, Oklahoma State's done a great job of shutting down another team's number one wide receiver. The one exception to that is against Iowa State. Their number one wide receiver is probably Charlie Kohler, but you would he's, he's really a tight end. Xavier Hutchinson's probably their number two, maybe the 1A, 1B there. Yep. They were able to kind of slow down Kohler until – he had, a, he had a couple busted plays that he broke, but I still think he was under 60, 70 yards. But they let Hutchinson go off. Well, OU has a lot of good receivers. Yeah. They got Hazelwood on the outside. They've got, my, they've got uh, Woods out there. They've got Marvin Mims. You said Theo Weese. I think he's been injured, but I, I think he I would, should I, be back for this I've game. heard he's like making that. And the reason, only reason I mention him is people have been talking about him like getting healthier. Yeah, Mario Williams. It's a lot of guys to take away. Now, going back to what we said, we haven't seen Williams be able to consistently Bingo. get it to these guys. Bingo. But if I'm going to be scared about one thing that this OSU defense I don't think has seen this year, it's this much talent at the receiving core. This yeah. much talent. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. I, I've thought a lot about it. Again, if, if Caleb Williams comes out there and he's decisive with the ball – um, and, and his receivers are running open, then, then this, this it could turn out pretty poorly. But that would be a character flip for OU. That would be, the, that would be them doing something they haven't done all year, basically, against yeah. anybody of this caliber. I do not expect that. I do not expect that all of a sudden, you know, the back end of the Oklahoma State defense is a sieve, and you've got Jaden Hazelwood and Mario Williams running deep. I th I think they're gonna hit a few. I think they're gonna hit a few on in the quarterback run game specifically, and I think they hit one deep down over the middle. But beyond that, I mean, they're gonna have to be patient and 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 be comfortable getting three, four, five yards a pop because that's what everybody else has had to do against Oklahoma State. And if they're able to do any more than that then they're going to be ahead of the curve. But, you know, I, I've said it all week, I, all week. The game, Tech game was yesterday. But it, this game feels like a first to 20 type of game, doesn't it? Like, yeah, whoever gets really there does. first is going to win this game. And, and I only say that because I think I, I have a lot of respect for the talent that OU has. I, I, I have a lot of respect for that OU defensive line. And I think Oklahoma State's going to have a tough time moving the ball consistently. But when I look at OU, I think they're going to have an equally, if not more difficult time moving the ball against Oklahoma State. Just when you factor in the strength of their team, 
versus the strength of Oklahoma State's team. Uh, I shoot the first podcast we had this year. It was a strength on strength, weakness on weakness. I think you've got another game that looks a little bit like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I wouldn't be shocked though if OU comes out with their scripted plays and scores points on their first drive. Maybe not a touchdown, but three or seven on their first drive. But I don't think it's going to lie. I just what have, what have I said? You 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 factor you get through that storm. You got a chance. You got a chance. Last year they put up twenty one in the first quarter. That we were we were buried before we had a shot. You get through yeah. that that storm. You've got a chance. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to cut you off. No, I was just saying no team has consistently showed that they can score and move the ball on Oklahoma State's defense for a full game. Even Iowa State, right? They only scored what twenty four points. Right. Yeah. Well, they had a shot to win at the end too. So all that being said, (laughs) oh, you nearly lost that game. So you just hang in there. And again, um, you know, Spencer Sanders doesn't make the back breaking mistakes. Um, Just, just throw the ball away, son. It's going to be okay. Live to fight another down, especially in a game like this, where you got that defense just waiting. I mean, we haven't even talked about this, Dustin. We've talked about everything on the field. (laughs) We got to move in a little bit. I mean, do you have any, before we do this, do you have any other remaining thoughts on this matchup, just X's and O's wise? Do, do you want to do score prediction now or after this next? <sighs> Let's wrap with that. Because before okay. we do that, I do want to send this uh, over to our sponsor real quick for a quick word. There's a specific set of rules I live by, and one of those is that no tailgate is complete without a grill. No tailgate of mine, at least. And I know that no grill is complete without Gridiron Metalworks. Uh, these guys are fantastic. If you haven't heard of them, take a look. They do great work. They do collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, can coolers, and it's all in Oklahoma State school colors. I don't know if you've been walking through the store before. You see something with the Oklahoma State logo, but it really resembles the suit that Lloyd wore in Dumb and Dumber. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's not even close. But these guys at Gridiron Metalworks, they nail the color. And with their products, you know, with their grill grates, you can sear your steak, burgers, brats, veggies, and they give you the perfect Pistol Pete mark every time. Plus, in addition to all that, this is the perfect gift to shop for. I know we got the holidays coming up right around the corner, and you probably know somebody in your life who you need something to buy something for, whether it's a boss, family member, coworker, whatever it may be. I bet you know who they like, what team they support, where they went to school, and I bet they're a Big 12 school. And if they are, every single Big 12 school has a product through Gridiron Metalworks. So go check them out. Um, these are high quality, custom cut, made in the United States. And right now, when you use the promo code FEELS12, you'll actually get 15% off your first purchase. It's a fantastic deal. Um, I don't know if my wife's listening. I want one of these. Speaking of you know, somebody that's hard to purchase for, that's me. I know I do not have a Pistol Pete grill grate on my grill, but I wish I did. And uh, maybe she's standing outside the door listening to me. I could, I could only help. But again, right now, use the promo code FEELS12 and you'll actually get 15% off your first purchase. It's a very generous offer and very thankful for that. I'm wondering if I can use my own promo code. I'll have to run that up the flagpole. Uh, the kicker, all orders over 100 bucks get free shipping. And so if you're a K-State fan, a West Virginia fan, uh, and you're looking for a grill grate, griddle, or a unique metal home good for your collection, just visit gridironmetal.com and use our promo code FEELS12 for 15% off your first order.
Okay. Dustin, thanks for letting us break on that ad read there. Um, here's where I'm at. This is potentially the last bedlam ever. I mean, OU is walking into what can only be described as a snake pit. It's going to be one <laughs> ugly um, two, there's going to be projectiles. I can guarantee you that it's not going to look good. I'm not advocating for it. I don't want it to happen, but I, the environment that OU is going to be walking into is probably unlike anyone, anything that has been seen in Stillwater ever. So we haven't even talked about like the implications that Oklahoma state wins this game. They knock out OU from the big 12 title race, Oklahoma state. This game is at home. Um, you're going to have 60,000 Oklahoma state fans there. And again, if, if you need to write on a whiteboard all week, save your voice because, and don't sell your ticket to an OU fan because the only way they can get in is if you sell your ticket. So <laughs> just like this whole thing stacks up to either like a big time make or break type of moment. And, and again, you know, right before the break, you said, let's get into score predictions. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to lay it down. And uh, Dustin, I, I want to go ahead and turn it over to you uh, before I do mine. Yeah, so we've got, let's say, three and a half is the spread I'm seeing right now in favor of Oklahoma State, and the over-under line's at 50.5. I think, even though we've talked all this about defense, I'm not picking a really high-scoring game, but it's going to be a little bit more high-scoring, I guess, OSU's defense giving up points-wise, just because I think with the rivalry – the electricity in the stadium that you just talked about. You've got the, the quotes that players are saying before the game. You got my guy, Tay Martin. The full quote obviously is a little bit different, but when you just way take out the one line, different, <laughs> when you just I mean, not the even line, the same, not even the same, but, but I think it, all this to say, I'm not even going that high of a score, but I'm going to go 31, 24 Oklahoma state. So I guess what I'm taking the over, and, and the cover. Oklahoma State covering, yeah. Oh boy. Well, uh, we're we're pretty much dead on. I like thirty-one. I, I've said this: if Oklahoma State scores a defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown, I, I have a hard time seeing an avenue for OU to win. And again, like I say that with you know twenty years of history and this rivalry, like anything can happen in Bedlam. It just feels like for whatever reason, it's different. I, I think maybe it's because for the first time ever, you're coming in with a defense that you have some real, real confidence in. And, and this, this has shades of 2013 to it where the OU offense is sputtering. Like, again, I've said, they may see, you may see Spencer Rattler in this, like you don't really know what you have at quarterback all the time. Um, so this is OSU's best shot since 2013, I would say. And for that reason, I'm going to pick Oklahoma State 27 to 17. And I think they score a defensive touchdown at some point. I think Caleb Williams makes a big mistake in a bad situation. And I think that ends up being the difference maker because I think OU is going to get theirs. Again, I've already said it. I think they're going to hit a deep shot. Uh, I think they may even, you, you nailed it. I think they score points on their first drive, but you hold them to three or you hold them to seven. You just weather that storm, you get through it. And I think Oklahoma State wins. And so I'll take them 27 to 17. Um, and again, I think it's another performance from that defense who, you know, that defensive line matches up well in the pass rush against an OU offensive line that has not shown that they can consistently block 
solid edge rushers, which Oklahoma State 1,000% has. Yeah, and I could even see it being, with my score prediction, I could see it being like a 17-17, 17-14 game at half, and then OSU's defense coming out in the second half and dominating, only letting OU maybe get another touchdown, and the offense just wearing down the defense with that zone running game. And, and again, kind of being a second half game there. We, we've previewed this entire uh, matchup. And I think by now, if you've been a loyal listener to, listener to this podcast, we don't get very sidetracked with any of the, you know, superlatives on, okay, well, this is the history in Bedlam. We've, we've broken this down X's and O's wise. And you, you take everything else out of this. This is not a rivalry game. This is just teams on the field. I like Oklahoma State's team better than I like Oklahoma's team. It's just that simple. All right, guys, listen up. Our partners at Symbol, who you already know, have a brand new offering, and we're pumped about it. But before we get to that, here's a quick reminder of what you already know. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. And on Symbol, you can trade sports like stocks, and every time your team wins, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Join the over 8,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams and visit www.simbull.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use our promo code feels 12 for a money back guarantee. Hold on just a second. Money back guarantee. You heard it right. Symbol, our partner is offering a money back guarantee to all of the listeners of this show. That money back guarantee means even if you lose money in the first 90 days, symbol will refund your initial deposit with no questions asked. I don't know anybody doing something like that right now. So visit www.symbol.com and again, use our promo code FEELS12 and your deposit will have a money back guarantee up to 500 bucks. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams today. All right. I want to apologize for what was probably an abrupt uh, start to that promotion that you just heard. We actually lost Dustin very late in this podcast, maybe at the worst uh, possible time. So I do apologize for that. Uh, I hate that he, he was dropping uh, some dimes and I hate that we missed it. Um, but I guarantee you uh, it was good stuff. And again, apologies that we had some issues there. But of course, this is a huge game. And as the point I was making just later in the end of that episode and where Dustin was going, this is a tough game for Oklahoma State. It always is because it's Bedlam. But right now, Oklahoma State's got a, a puncher's chance and, and frankly is the deserving favorite going into this game. And that alone gives me a lot of confidence that the right team is in the right spot right now. And I can't wait to see what happens in Stillwater on Saturday. Uh, my plane lands at 6 o'clock on Saturday night, kickoffs at 6.30. So there's really little room for error, right, with Southwest Airlines. And I've told them as much, but that's just where we're at. And so, uh, of course, as always, this has been a fantastic episode. Dustin, you can't hear me right now, but I know – the universe can. And it's been great talking to you, man. As always, you can follow me at Cade Webb. You can follow him at Dust Dragu, And you can follow the Twitter page at FeelsLike45Pod. Uh, I mean, right now, Dustin's clipping Twitter uh, videos of the, of the basketball game like nobody's business. So, um, of course, as always, and especially more importantly this week, go freaking pokes 
beat OU.